Welcome to the Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. My name is Hoi Chan Bui. I'm a pop culture journalist in D.C. And with me are... I am Anya Crittenden, Associate Editor at The Tracking Board. And I am Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area. So today's episode, everyone, is about feminism in movies and TV. And we're going to discuss the complicated issues that go into the female characters that we see on screen and on in movies. Uh, we've got plenty to talk about. Uh, just like too much. Actually, too, oh, there's a lot. <laughs> well, there's been uh, a lot of progress in only like the past, I don't know, five years. Yeah. And it's been kind of up and down. Like there are, it's hard to like, as someone who really enjoys like complex female characters and wanting like a good representation from women, it's hard to like have that checklist of like how women should be tra- portrayed in TV or, or movies and in the stories that I like, and not like bash the, st- the show completely, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think this is kind of our way of um, um, reconciling those more like those, those feminist, feminist values with how much we want to enjoy the story. Because right. there might be a show that production value might be great. The scripts might be, act, you know, pretty decent, but the female characters might be really laxing mm-hmm. in in development. Like mm-hmm. Aaron Sorkin's *The Newsroom*, uh, his female characters were not yeah. great in that They're terrible on that, on that show. But the show itself, like when it wasn't focused on the female characters, was actually really fun to watch. Sometimes mm-hmm. there were moments that I was like, "Oh yeah, this is cool." Um, but like whenever, like he. He always goes. He always went back to like the, this weird trope of women who don't understand technology, mm-hmm. and I'm, and I'm just like, what are you doing, guy? Come yeah, on, which makes no sense. So, and it's like astonishing because female characters in The West Wing mm-hmm. were great. Yeah, so it just seemed and, really off-putting that like, you know, and, and and it's this weird thing where it's like these characters might be really great at their job, but then have this weird side issue with technology where they don't know how to send an email. And I'm just like, come on. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's a work in progress for how we um, depict women on on screen, mm-hmm. and I think for the most part it, we're doing really well. Um, aside from a couple of shows that I think have a really flat characterization for a lot of strong female characters, and I'm using air quotes if since you guys can't <laughs> see me. So do we want to go into what a strong female character is versus like the cliche versus the more realistic portrayal? Because we've got, like, there's a, the whole issue of, like, badass hero, hero women who are just male fantasies versus mm-hmm. actual complicated female characters. Yeah, let's go into that. Because I have an issue with the male fantasy. Um, I think we all do. <laughs> I do, too. <laughs> yes. Well, what would you guys define as a strong female character? Uh, someone who's real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think someone who gets to have all the faults and flaws and complications and wonderful traits that male characters get um, and that they're not punished for them, uh, I guess. Yeah. I'd also throw in well-written. Yeah, I would I would throw in, yeah. I, I agree with Sonya's take that they're real, that they're flawed, but they also have their own motivations. They have their own agency. They're not there for the um, purpose of serving some other character's arc. There's um, the, uh, what is it, the, the lamp 
test or something. Yeah, the, yeah the, the I was sexy lamp. Bring that up, the sexy, sexy lamp. lamp. Yeah, if you can replace a female character with a sexy lamp and the plot or like the story doesn't change, she's not a well written or great character with any agency. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a good test. You know, watch everything you see and say, eh, replace them with a sexy lamp. Does anything change? Exactly. And mm-hmm. uh, sexy lamp test is almost a little bit better than the Bechdel test. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of, like, how w- much agency a woman has, anyways, in their storyline. Because mm-hmm. Bechdel test isn't really an indicator of, like, whether, even whether, like, it's a strong female character. Because you can have a movie like, ooh, Fifty Shades of Grey, which actually does pass the Bechdel test. Don't ask me why I know this. Um, but it is definitely not a good movie for female characters. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think, well, and, and also you can have movies with, like, a single female character and still be feminist or mm-hmm. still have a great female character. So, like, the Bechdel test is, like, it's something, but it's not everything. It's mm-hmm. almost like a baseline, but it's mm-hmm. not... Yeah. It, it it doesn't it's not it's not like the be all end all of feminism critique in, mm-hmm. in like if if uh if a show passes the Bechdel test it still may not be good mm-hmm. for female characters but it it's because like it's a very basic like isn't it two female characters or more than one female character and they have to have a conversation that isn't about a man yep and that passes that passes the Bechdel yeah. test yeah and a surprisingly small amount of movies pass this test oh yeah. Um, but there, are, yeah, but there are some like good movies that do pa- but don't pass the test that have really strong female characters with their own arcs, um, like say Pacific Rim. Makamori mm-hmm. um, also inspired her own test because you know the movie itself doesn't pass the Bechdel test, but Makamori is one of the strongest and most well-written female characters with her own arc and is essentially like the. She's the, the protagonist, protagonist of the sh- of the movie, yeah. Even yeah. though it's from yeah, Raleigh's point of view for mm-hmm. most of the movie. Guillermo del Toro is a good example of like a director and a writer who does female characters well. Mm-hmm. I'd say Crimson Peak was very good. Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah, Crimson Peak was fantastic. I mean, so was Pan's Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love Pan's Labyrinth. One For of my female characters. Movies. Yeah, he's always so great. I'm like, good job, Del Toro. Mm-hmm. Good job. But yeah, I think going back to like the strong female character, like. I don't think there's... It's not to say that strong, like the strong female character TM is a bad thing, because there are some really great female characters that kind of fit that trope that mm-hmm. are really wonderful. Yeah. Like, you have characters like Xena, mm. who is super great, but like definitely that like kind of all-capitalization strong female character. Um, Buffy fits this a little bit, too. Yeah, she but totally she's, fits it. But she's so complex, and she's really, like... But so is, so is Zena. Yeah, so but is what Zena, I'm saying is, like, they're, they fit, they're like, still... They fit the mold, but they're the not the... They're not the... They're, they're not the... That's not all... They're not the they flat are. characterization yeah. of it, yeah. Yeah, but they fit that mold. And I think for a while there was this belief that, like, to be a good female character, you had to kind of fit that mold. I think there's still that belief, honestly. I yeah. think people, a lot of people, when people say, like, a strong female character, they think along the lines of Xena. They think along the lines of Arya Stark in Game of Thrones. And mm-hmm. I think that's a very reductive way of looking at female Agreed. characters in general. Um, because Sansa is just as feminist as Arya is. I know. I love Sansa so much. You guys know. Um, I She's the best. <laughs> I got well, a little Sansa, emotional so. last episode, right? I think I, like, almost cried. I was like, Sansa is so great. I mean, she is so great. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, and, like, she's... Like, the opposite of Arya in a lot of ways, but it doesn't mean she's any less of a female character mm-hmm. or any less feminist. 
Yeah. So I think it's really important. I mean, like, HT's cried a lot about Sansa. Like, you know me and my feelings about Cinderella, but, like, Cinderella, I think, is actually one of the more feminist characters, like, fairy tale princesses. Mm. And people don't see it because they just, all they choose to see is, like, oh, she ended up going to a ball and marrying a prince. But, like, she escaped a lifetime of abuse. And, like, she didn't go to the ball, like, intending to get married. She went to the ball to, like, like, have a night for herself to, like, enjoy things. Mm -hmm. And, like, get out of, like, her family's abuse. And I think that's really strong of her. And yeah, Cinderella. Those kind of characters. Yeah. Yeah. Like, those kind of characters are just as feminist, even if they're not, like, fighting with a sword and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So we talked a little bit about what defines a strong female character, but what I wanted to talk about especially was treatment of female characters. And um, there is a an issue, like, nowadays, especially with the rise of HBO-inspired shows and, you know, their sword and sandals type of shows where, like, you they take place in darker times, um, we would say. And so these shows often treat their female characters very brutally. There's a lot of sexual assault and rape. And some people, and, like, even with modern shows like Jessica Jones, uh, a lot of female characters get their inspiration from, like, like their arc is driven by their past sexual assault. And, like, that's a very, like, what most, very well-used trope. Um, very common Yeah, but trope, where, like, Jessica Jones far surpasses Game of Thrones, that Jessica mm-hmm. Jones never feels the need to show, mm-hmm. like, sexual assault or sexual violence. Mm-hmm. Like, they trust their audience. I mean, the showrunner said this in a quote, but, like, they trust their audience to, like, get what's going on and, like, get the complexity of it and get the depth without having to, like, go to the shock value of actually showing, like, the purple man doing anything to Jessica. Yeah, in fact, they show more of the psych- the actual interior, like, what's going on in her mind. Interiority of it. While, while, while she's, like, reacting to thinking about it. Um, yeah. And that was very nuanced and very interesting, and I thought that was a very profound way of showing, like, tra- like how people experience trauma. So would you say that the difference between this treatment of sexual assault to female characters is in that it's more about the interiority and, like, the development of this character versus just, like, the act itself. In, like, in terms of, like, how well it's done, I mean. Yeah, and I I think it's also just, like, how they treat the female character in the situation. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, when we gave up, well, when I gave up on Game of Thrones, I think you gave up around the same time, H.T., of, like, Sansa... Um, and, like, that scene was shot, and the focus was on Theon. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. her, It was his pain. Yeah. That they and were not focusing. Sansa's. Yeah. And that alone is horrifying and it was, very wrong. It was showing that it was his motivation to get out of that, situ- uh, th- that situation. Agreed. That he suddenly had to become Sansa's savior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't focusing on, like, I mean, other than, like, Sansa's screams, which were just awful. Terrifying. Um it was focusing on yeah Theon's development and how this was hurting him and uh, inspiring him to you know develop an arc and like Sansa's was just kind of she was relegated to another female yeah, on Game yeah. of Thrones that was being raped mm-hmm. exactly yeah so I think like I mean I'm tired in general of like sexual violence in my media mm-hmm. just in general I think it's a very tired thing and I think it's not done 
well most of the time. Um, that being said, it's not like something that can't be done well or part of a character's arc, like Jessica Jones, like we just talked about. Or like, Mad Max. Yeah, yes. or Mad Max. And so I think in general, like, I want to see less of it. But if it is done, I want it handled better. And I want the female characters to be the focus mm-hmm. and for the media to support the female characters. So Overall. I wanted to touch on Westworld, a mm-hmm. new TV show on HBO um, that is meant to be, that is a, a show about a sort of theme park-esque Western world in which a lot of the characters are actually robots who are written out to play like into these uh, fantasies of the men or, and women who are paying yeah, to attend that, this. There's actually like a storyteller. Yeah, and it, there's an interesting like show within a show um, commentary to it. But there has been some analysis about Westworld that it's actually a sort of meta commentary on Game of Thrones, the other flagship HBO show, and kind of its use of sexual violence and brutality. Um, and I wanted to talk about whether it does it successfully, or whether, like, just because it's raising awareness, or like is aware that H- that Game of Thrones is doing this and that HBO is known for this, is good enough. I don't think we've seen enough to make an. A, a large judgment on whether on the show's portrayal mm-hmm. of sexual violence because the one scene we've the one episode I've watched uh, I think HD you watched it too mm-hmm. was uh, the the pilot episode and Ed Harris's character is like the bad guy of the show or at least an, an antagonist of the show and he has been playing in Westworld for 30 years like he comes back and he's very much like a hardcore gamer in the sense mm-hmm. and he takes one of uh, Evan Rachel Wood's character and drags her into a barn but that's all you see but mm-hmm. you you hear her screaming and she doesn't you know this is clearly like where it's going is what is sexual assault mm-hmm. and you know you could tell that this isn't the first time he's done that to that character and it's a weird thing where there's these little lines of dialogue where like one character will say um yeah i play i was here two weeks ago and i went straight evil like mm-hmm. there's a lot of weird talk with the humans it's an interesting kind of um commentary on our sense of voyeurism that we yeah. have with shows like game of thrones in which like but without but and like kind of calling attention to it and at the same time I don't know if it's going far enough. Yeah, I don't. I don't also think we've seen enough mm-hmm. to, to um, in the in the coming episodes. I'm planning to watch more because yeah. it's it's piqued my interest. A couple of weeks ago, I said I had no interest, but mm-hmm. oh, since like the build up to the premiere, I was like, I'll check it out. And Anya, you don't really have an interest in watching Westworld because of this um, first sexual assault scene, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess I always I've been burned by Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, too too many times before and. Um, I mean, there's a chance that, like, I could be wrong, and it could actually be a really great commentary, mm-hmm. and actually turn out to be feminist, in which case, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the concept is interesting. I think I just... It's too much. There's too, there's too much out there, and yeah. there are things that I'm enjoying. Like, like, I think this season... Pitch is one of the best examples of a feminist show. Oh, that yeah. is. Pitch is so good, guys. So good. So great. The female characters are wonderful. And I'm just kind of like... Like, even if Westworld turns out to be feminist and subversive, like, if there are scenes of sexual violence, like, why 
why do I have to watch those to get my feminism? Mm -hmm. Like, when I have a show like Pitch, which is amazing and has already talked about sexual violence. Yeah, in the second episode. I think that's a really good point, Anya. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of, like, our conversation these days about feminism and female characters is for some reason tied into, like, edgy, violent shows. And Which that, is not good. and like, yeah, that often involve like, yeah, female characters being assaulted, and I don't know why that's the case. I kind of want to. And just I don't like, know. Yeah. If it, is it like a genre thing? Because I feel like a lot of the stuff happens in specific, like they have to be like really high genre mm-hmm. pieces I, of media to like have these sort of sexual assaults. Except you still don't. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I remember a while ago we talked about not watching Game of Thrones and like good replacements for Game of Thrones, and like Black Sails mm-hmm. is fantastic and the female characters are great and it's a genre show and there is violence obviously they're pirates mm-hmm. but like it doesn't rely on that same sort of like shock value and gratuity mm-hmm. um, or I, I, it may have to do with the popularity of the shows that we're, that mm-hmm. that are in the conversations we're talking about because like, like you said Black Sails is, is a great re- representation of a, a good like replacement to Game of Thrones, but I don't know anybody besides you, Anya, that actually watches the show. I follow one person on Tumblr who watches the show. I'm actually not it. even. I'm actually not even caught up. I'm because <laughs> um, like what but, network is it? On? Is it on like a Showtime? It's on Stars. Okay, so Stars is like HBO's little brother that doesn't really do as, as well as it should. HBO's kid cousin. Yeah. Um. So, but isn't lot. isn't Outlander on Stars? Yes, yeah. and I think that's the... That's more popular, too. Yeah, yeah. that's but like all, their most But like you've said, Anya, before, that is also not great. Yeah, well, I mean, some people think it's great. I don't think it's that mm. great. Um, but yeah, you, yeah, I think like you can still get your genre fixes without there having to be like this like sexual violence and gratuity and stuff like ingrained in it. Like mm-hmm. Even HBO, like Rome... Only mm. lasted two seasons, but was so good, and the female characters were wonderful, and it was a genre show. And so I think, you know, I just I don't need this anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully, maybe TV will get past this whole sexual violence and brutality phase. So we'll see. Like in terms of like its prestige and genre shows, but um, yeah. So outside of that, what? do you think that TV shows can do to portray women and female characters in a better light? In a better way? Like a more full, complex way? More women behind the camera. More female directors, more female writers. Mm -hmm. I think that's always going to be a step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Always. More complicated anti-heroes that are women? Yeah, actually I did want to talk about that a little bit. Um, Unreal has... Well, at least the first season had a really great uh, depiction of complex, really just women behaving badly in the way that we've seen a lot of prestige uh, TV, like The Sopranos, Mad Men, Breaking Bad. But we've had like we had the complete gender flip with that in um, in Unreal, and it's it's really great. It's refreshing to see, honestly. Yeah. Um, so that's like. I guess the new brand of feminism that we see in some TV shows as well. And like, I think I haven't seen this, but um, you're the worst. Also, I've, really I good. watched the first. I'm a couple of episodes behind on the third season, but 
the female characters on that show are very complicated, and they don't do the greatest of things, but they're still well written, and they're they're like, like they're the they're the more interesting characters, mm-hmm. honestly. And we even see that in comedy too, with like Broad City. I think that, like that's a really good, really interesting um, next step for like female characters in stories and TV and movies and stuff. We we're even seeing that in some like comedy movies as well, with um, that Aubrey Plaza Anna Kendrick movie. Oh, Mike and Dave need wedding dates. <laughs> yeah, I saw a hilarious article talking about how this is the next great feminist movie, <laughs> and like that Neighbors that Two and stuff. Yeah. Um, women behaving badly. That's it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Do you think there's a there's a a line with kind of these kind of female characters like women behaving badly and stuff where like if they are genuinely bad people, there there sometimes needs to be like a comeuppance and stuff. But like at the same time, you run the risk of like punishing them in ways that you wouldn't a male character who acts in similar ways because they're women behaving badly mm-hmm. and women aren't allowed to behave as badly. Yeah, I don't... I haven't seen these movies, to be fair. I haven't seen Neighbors 2 or... I've seen um, Neighbors 2. Yeah. So is there any sort of, like, punishment, like a narrative punishment that we see in, like, movies and stuff like that for these girls? Um, they... It, it kind of t- t- in, ends up being, like, a compromise between uh, Seth Rogen and Rose Byrne and mm-hmm. the sorority, where... It's basically, like, it's the same premise as Neighbors 1, where they're mm-hmm. trying to, you know, get these kids evicted. But then it also ends up being, like, a lesson is being learned because, like, they're all, like, trying to be... They're trying to be as at, at, like a fraternity, like, at, on that bad of a level of, like, mm-hmm. disruption and, like, partying. And, yeah. and that's, like... And it's, like, what they want, what they think they want and what they want. And then uh, by the end of the movie, they they grow and adapt and they learn that that's not like it's just not good behavior to mm-hmm. be like that in a neighborhood and they kind of like find like a solution to uh to like live in in like in peace with Seth Rogen and mm-hmm. Rose Byrne right because I remember like there's actually an interesting point that they made at the this was in the trailer for the movie that they're like oh sororities can't have parties or can't host parties or something yeah and, like, they can't yeah and like there's a difference between like sororities and fraternities in terms of like how they're expected to behave so they're trying to kind of live up to the fraternity behavior but yeah. then they end up just kind of seeing that they're all just being dicks yeah that's <laughs> honestly that's like that's the plot of the movie they're, okay. just, they're just like oh we kind of screwed we kind of fucked up mm-hmm. so uh but it, it they don't punish their characters with like like they're not all like in jail by the end of it. It's mm-hmm. it's a, it's a weird. It's a, it's a lesson being learned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you just run the risk sometimes. Like when you have like female villains or like female antiheroes and stuff like that. That there, if there is some sort of comeuppance, like depending on what it is, there can sort of be some sort of double standard ingrained. And like if this if this villain or was a male, like would it have been the same ending? Yeah. And I think that's just things to consider when you have characters like this. We do see but a lot we need of that. More. Yeah, we see a lot more of that in movies um, than we do in TV. Yeah. Um, like Broad City, for example, they never really get punished, but that's also like a very light comedy. So like one of the there can't be too high of yeah, stakes. One of the jokes of the show is like that one of the characters does is always skipping out on work and she never gets punished for it. Yeah. Um, one thing I did want to bring up though, uh, in terms of like women being punished and like narratively and stuff, um, like way outside of what they deserve is Jurassic World. Oh. I was just gonna bring that. Stop it, HT. I, I was thinking about that when you're talking the about that. The assistant, right? The assistant. So, um, Katie McGrath. Oh, that's not, I was not going to bring up her but character. But also, like, and also the main character, too, by herself. We'll, we'll get to her. Yeah. 
Yeah, we'll talk, talk about, about the Katie assistant McGrath. first. Yeah, Katie McGrath. So her biggest crime is like being a little bit too hardworking and like forgetting the kids for a second. And you know, as anyone watching kids or parenting knows, like kids run away. At a theme park too. Yeah, with dinosaurs. It They're gonna run her, off. It is not her maternal responsibility to like see these where these kids are all the time. And if it was, like, there wouldn't be any. And story. it's not her primary objective at the park. Yeah. Anyways, she the worst crime she is is like she's talking to I think a friend or something about some like upcoming bridal shower something so, like she's first she's really female and is like frivolous and the thing is that she's very tied to her work she does whatever Bryce Dallas Howard's character wants her to do so and like those aren't bad qualities except for sometimes in female characters as Jurassic World sees it and she gets punished way out of proportion in the movie so she gets so like one of the worst deaths in the movie it's it's terrible and like she does it's it like so dress long right when violent she, and yeah. And it's, it's terrible. It's really like archaic, honestly. Like I haven't seen that kind of treatment of female characters in a, in movies in a long time. Yeah. Like not since like, she did nothing to deserve censored. the death. Well, and like especially like in the Jurassic Park franchise, where like Ellie back in the nineties was super wonderful. Yeah, and even the feminist like the girl. Yeah, like blatantly feminist. Yeah, and like we get to twenty fifteen, and this franchise has regressed so much. So much. Like, I was going to bring up just the idea of, like, I think good female characters also come from just the people who, like, create them supporting them, Mm -hmm. like, never shaming them and supporting them, whatever kind of their role is, and just kind of letting them be fleshed out characters. And I was thinking of Claire, is it Claire? Yeah. Claire, yeah. Claire. Yeah, Claire in Jurassic World seems to be punished the entire movie for being a career woman and not knowing her uh nephew's ages oh my god i hated it, that scene because i'm like i don't even know like my cousin's ages i don't for, or the whole funny story to this week i forgot how old i was for a second someone <laughs> asked me how old are you i'm like and it took me 10 seconds i was like i'm 23 i'm 24 yeah that's happened to me a couple times so yeah it's just it was ridiculous because it was sh- like the entire movie not just the characters but the movie itself was shaming her for not being more maternal or and just like putting her career over her family. And there's that terrible line where Judy Greer's like, someday you'll know when you have kids. And then Bryce Dallas Howard's is like, I'm a, no, not going to happen. Yeah. And the worst thing is that the movie emphasizes, and the, at the end she, like, gains a maternal instinct yeah. and wants to protect her family. And, like, neither of those things are bad, but it seems like it's, a, yeah, a punishment for her wanting a career. And, like, that's what makes her a villain. Yeah, and it's terrible. And then I think of, like, I'm going to bring this up again, but, like, I think of Bridget Jones because I love it. And, like, that franchise is always on Bridget's side. Mm-hmm. Like, that franchise loves Bridget and supports Bridget and everything she does. And I think that's kind of just what I want to see from female characters more is I want to see them supported and given their due respect. Like, obviously, if it's, like, one of those antiheroes or, like, a villain and stuff, like, you know... They have to be defeated or right. whatever at the end. But, like, they still need to be uh, treated with respect by the writer in the sense that, like... Never shame for, like, who they are. Yeah. yeah. And never, like, defined by being... I guess... I don't know. I was going to say defined by being a woman, but I don't think that's fair because sometimes I want female characters villainized who are, like, for being a woman. Yeah, maybe, like, villainized, villainized for being a woman. Yeah. 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 So you can be defined by being a woman because, like, I am proud to be a woman. Mm-hmm. Etc. And I want characters like that, but yeah, never villainized. That's a good way to put it. 
Yeah, it's like bringing back your point earlier, Anya, about women being behind the camera or being behind the the story. I, Bridget Jones is written um, and directed by women, I think. Yeah, I yeah. think there was one male screenwriter mm-hmm. in Bridget Jones' Baby, mm-hmm. but there were three writers total, and two of them were women. And Emma Thompson was behind it as well. I think, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's yeah. like, it's when you see that, um, it's why rom coms, even though they're like women's genres, which is another term I hate as well, like chick chick lit, chick flicks, um, that's, they often are like more progressive um, and interesting portrayals of women than you ever see in your Jurassic Worlds or blockbusters. Um, yeah. Guys just don't understand women. Sorry, we'll be. We no, don't. I'm we don't. I think, that's, I think that's you do. That's a problem. <laughs> We need to. Well, he's on our side. He is. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think think that wraps up our discussion on feminism and women in pop culture. Although I did want to say one more thing. Please do. Um, There's also a discussion to be had here about women of color, Mm. especially when it comes to feminism and just kind of intersectional feminism, and that there's even more progress made for women of color. Oh, yeah in media definitely and their treatment yeah even in tv which is um generally seen as more progressive than movies uh like unreal which is the next feminist show because of its anti-hero woman is still about white feminism mm-hmm. um, yeah well, same with jessica jones mm-hmm. jessica jones as well i mean i Just think i think claire temple is the only women of color in jessica jones yeah, and she shows up for all ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. But, so, which is why I really like Luke Cage because there's so many complicated uh, women of color, mm-hmm. and they're all like a lot of them are the main characters in their episodes, and Luke Cage is kind of like trying to you know live yeah. his life. <laughs> yeah, Luke Cage has his problems, but its characters do not. Yeah. So, yeah. Mist- so think, Misty Knight you know. is great. Mm-hmm. Um, Mariah is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Claire Temple, as always. My queen. Yeah. So, yeah, I think there's more women of color, too. Like, you know, it's exciting that, like, with Pitch, mm-hmm. that our lead actress is a woman of color. Or you have, like, the upcoming movie Hidden Figures, which looks great. I'm only worried about, uh, is it Kevin Costner? I think I, so. I think he's so. always playing only those wor- kind of characters. I'm only worried that he's going to come off across as, like, super white savory. I mean, in that, that, film. Like, that I'm is really kind of the role that he takes a lot. Uh, yeah, recently. him and Dennis Quaid. Um, yep, and a little bit of John Hamm too. He was in that one. Yeah, that one. It was in that one. But it was I like that John weird Hamm. Disney movie that came out like February twenty fourteen. Forgot about that movie. Million Dollar Arm, yeah. I think. Yeah, it's awkward. Yeah. Uh, um. So like I. So there are like movies being made and TV shows being made, but I think there like, needs to be more for women of color. Like and... all the shows with Shonda Land have been really good. Like yeah. how, to, how to Get Away with Murder, Scandal, um, Grey's Anatomy. Um, all the all her shows and I and Pitch is inspired by um, Shonda, Shonda Land shows. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I mean, even more beyond that, like Elementary, like Lucy Liu. Yeah, is fantastic. I love Lucy Liu. Um, yeah, so I think like you know there are some gems out there, but there needs to be more. There needs to be some work done. Definitely more in movies too. Yeah, hopefully movies will catch up with. TV shows, and we've we've seen like the I think the generalization of TV and movies that TV right now is more progressive than movies, mm-hmm. especially with Emmys being awarded to a lot of people of color mm-hmm. and Oscars so white, yeah, being a thing. But you know, people are seeing the error of their ways, and I hope that you know it'll there'll be more prog- progress from now on. All right, I agree. There we go. Yeah. 
So that'll wrap up our discussion on feminism, female character representation in TV and movies. Um, let's move on to the last segment of our episode. I really, 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 really like you. But I need to tell you something. Anya, why don't you start us off? Well, I think Lin-Manuel Miranda hosting SNL is a given. So that's not going to be my main one, but, like, he was really great. Yeah, um, I love how that. I love how happy he seemed to be. Like, he was so excited. He was, like, living a dream, and I was like, I'm like, so happy for you. He was just happy to be there. Everything he, do, <laughs> everything he does is he, he seems to be living his dream, and I love that about yeah. him. Also, ever since he cut his hair, he's been looking really good, you know? <laughs> I'm sure Anya already knew this, but I'm like, oh, yes. nice, Lynn man That haircut. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Um, but my actual really like, um, also has to do with theater, um, is that I saw A View from the Bridge last night, which is uh, an Arthur Miller play. And I saw the production that won the Tony this year. It won Best Revival of a Play and Best Director. Um, and so it's now starting its like national tour. And so I saw it when it came out here. And it was incredible. It just blew me away. Um, I mean, Arthur Miller's always kind of you can kind of rely on him to have some really good drama in your theater. Um, but I think, I think, you know, plays are really interesting because I love musicals, but plays are so interesting because they're so much more vulnerable. Like, I feel like musicals, um, there's, since there's so much going on and there's like musical members and big costumes and usually big sets, like you can kind of disappear into that and almost hide behind it. Whereas with plays, like it's usually you kind of stripped away and you only have, like, the dialogue and your fellow actors to rely on. Like, costumes and sets are usually minimal. And, like, this one was super minimal. We um, we actually sat on the stage, which was really cool. So they had, like, the center of the stage where, like, the play was going on. And then on each side they had, like, stadium seating facing where the action was. And then they also had, like, the main audience section at like any theater so like they had so the actors had people on three sides watching them and so they didn't worry about like cheating out to face the audience because their audience was on three sides they kind of just could move however they wanted and their back was to us sometimes or they were facing us sometimes is that how um, old shakespeare stages were too uh yeah i mean some of them were yeah mm-hmm. like they because like the globe is rounded and so it kind of goes around but yeah similar um but it's not dead so and yeah, and, like, there was no, like, props or anything. It was literally, like, the square of, like, white staging that they stood on. And then around where they were was, like, a glass, like, a calf-high, like, glass figure. And then there was, like, a black bench on all of it. So they just had this, like, small space, and they could occasionally sit down. But it was so minimal, and uh, it was fantastic. Aww. And I really loved it. I'm really sad I didn't get to see the original Broadway cast, though, because Mark Strong was the lead actor, and <sighs> I think he's so great. I love Mark Strong. He's always know, good. He's, Mark Strong is, like, reliable. Yeah. He's, like, just a good... He's a strong character actor. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. From the bridge. All right. so great. That sounds like a lovely experience, Anya. I don't know if I would say lovely. It's a bit of a dark story. That sounds like... A good experience. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Um, Willoughby, what is your really like for this week? Smallville. Uh, did it, you finish it? No. God, no. It's only been a week. Come on. You scared me for a second. <laughs> Wait, did you just start watching Smallville? Yes. Uh, so it came on Hulu on October 1st. 
uh, along with like all the other shows that come on and whatnot. And I had made up my mind that that was the next show I was going to binge. And after Luke Cage, and I started it last Sunday, and I finished season one yesterday. Uh, so I at least got through a full whole season, not ten. Gosh, I don't know. not that insane. <laughs> I have work to do. <laughs> um, although this is a three-day weekend, so uh, anyway, I it's really three-day like- weekend. Columbus Day. Columbus Day. I don't have it off, but I have Mondays off. I do because I work for the government. And <sighs> I don't have it off. Man, I'm so jealous now. I mean, it is Columbus Day, so celebrate it. Celebrate it's a my weird birthday. Day to celebrate. Cel- I mean... uh, you should observe my birthday because I was born on October 12th. So. Oh, yes. Yes. I think it's less Columbus Day and more. I just want a three-day weekend. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So celebrate me tomorrow, and then so I've been watching. I just really like the portrayal that they have of Clark Kent. Tom Welling does such a great job of being like the farm boy we all know and love of being Clark Kent, but and like, but he's also not fully in control of his abilities, and he's, but he's, it's like what I love about Smallville is that it's a teen drama, but it's all but about a superhero, and it's. It's more so the teen drama than it is the superheroics. Kind of like Buffy. A little. It, I Sorry, mean, it, it totally it. rode the wave of Buffy. It came out in 2001, so Buffy uh, was deep into season four by then, I think. Season five. Yeah, so like around there. So it, and it was the WB, so it was like totally on the Buffy train. Mm. Um, and there's like a freak of the week that he had, because like the meat, like there's, there's kryptonite everywhere, and it, it changes people like every, once an episode. Of course it does. Yeah, so there's like a there's a, a procedural element to the show, but at the same time, like there's relations relationships going on between like Clark and Lana Lang or Chloe Sullivan, who's a new character for the show. Um, and I also like the fact that within two seconds of the damn show, Clark Kent is already smiling, which is already better than everything Zack Snyder's Superman's been doing. So Yay. I think if you like. What, what I've been missing in my, in my life is a good portrayal of Clark Kent slash Superman, and Man of Steel is not doing that. And I think that's why I just always watch Superman the movie. Yeah, I mean, that, they take a lot of inspiration from Superman the movie mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. terms of characterizations and kind of, like, not campy, but, like, the like the, the, tone. The, the tone. It's very fun. Like, I'm never... It's, it's not dark at all. Like, yes, he goes through, like the angst of being a teenager and also a superpowered teenager mm. um, who doesn't know where he's from at this point. Uh, so it's just, it's it's very, like, there's nine more seasons, so there's going to be plenty of character development. But right now I love, like, what's happening because it's just, it's it's a Superman that I've been missing in my life. Cause of, yeah, is Tom Welling's Clark Kent dorky? A little bit. He's, a, he's very G-shucks, like, gosh. Um, but not like, okay, dor- but I not just... like, not like dorky, like not Christopher Reeve dorky. Oh man, I he's... love Christopher Reeve dorky. So yeah, he's not there. He's much. He's more, a little bit cooler than that, but not super. He's not Superman. <laughs> okay. Um, like he when he's around like women, he doesn't really know how to talk to them. So oh. that's like where like it, the fun part of it comes in, where he's like trying to navigate like his social life. That's the dork. That's where the dorkiness kind of comes out in strongest. But, like, his sense of right and wrong is very just, and he's, like, uh, you know, he's very much, like, a hero already, but he's not, like, he he, he can't talk to, like, Lana Lang without, like, throwing up a little, yeah. you know? Not really. I'm, that's, uh, like, word vomit. Word vomit. Word vomit. Uh, so, yeah. All right. Smallville. Nice. Tell me, I bet you'll be done with the 10th season in the next two weeks. Uh, that's unreal. Maybe three. 
Well, it is a three-day weekend, uh, so. Yeah. Um, so my really like for this week is The Flash. It's back. Yay! Yay! Flash I think it's still, probably still my favorite TV show right now. Um, in terms of just like how much I enjoy watching it, even though I get frustrated by just how dumb Barry is. Barry Allen he, is that kid who messes with something a little bit too much and he might, fucks everything he up. He might be the stupidest superhero on TV. But Grant is so great. Oh no, Grant he's so, so good. He's such a great he's actor. So good. Yeah. The best. Speaking of G-Shucks, like, characters, Grant is so good at that. Um, I'm really happy it's back. Flashpoint, like, the episode itself was a little bit, I don't know, low stakes, I think. So It wasn't the world-ending apocalypse, yeah. but uh, that's not what which they is, were going for. Which is fine, but at the same time, I felt like a lot of it was hinged on just Barry acting dumb. Yep. So I didn't really enjoy that as much. It was kind of like, it was a little light on it, on like the stakes and well, the motivation. Well, and I think there's still some sort of like, I don't know how you felt about the finale, but like, I know like I hated the season two finale because... Oh, I hated it. it yeah, it was such a like regressive writing for Barry's character. Mm-hmm. And so I think there was almost a little bit of, like, sourness with that. Because, like, I remembered. I was like, oh, but, like, this is not... So, like, Barry being dumb. I'm like, we went through, like, two seasons of him, like, growing and learning and not being dumb. But he has his moments of, of dumbness. Yeah. <laughs> like, going back in time one too many times to save his mother. God. <laughs> and now, he, and now he, he, even though he... It's just... It's not... It's not... It's all not just all like, hunky-dory. All right. It's like, I guess, spoilers for the episode. I'm going to, like, kind of rail against it i don't know why he decides to leave like that the flashpoint timeline honestly because the most dangerous thing is that wally gets hurt but he's not like he's not critically injured i, I think i think and, it's like, because he was starting to lose more of his memories i guess and he, so. didn't want, and he didn't like that yeah i feel like there should have been some sort of higher like stakes or and he was losing his powers too yeah i guess but he was like that's kind of what he wanted isn't it i don't know i think well he didn't want to he was like there's already another flash but i don't think he wanted to lose his powers i guess that goes into like barry's whole like psyche and stuff yeah anyways spoiler done um yeah the flash other than like my gripes with the episode i'm really happy it's back and i'm just I'm so happy for happiness. I really liked the part where Barry asked Iris out. That was really cute. It was the cutest thing I've ever seen. It was really cute. Yeah. I'm, yeah. It's, I'm so happy it's back. I'm excited for Tom Cavanaugh to return. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm sure you are. I'm excited <laughs> for the musical crossover between Supergirl yes. and The Flash, which apparently is being directed or written by Joss Whedon. Wait, what? I heard that, Yeah. I, I have heard not heard Joss any of Whedon it. is stepping in for this. I've never. Maybe that's why he was at the CW yeah. party that Anya was there. Uh, no, I, I heard he's like having some role. Yeah. I've never heard of. I have not heard news of that. That would be amazing. By the way, Supergirl premieres tomorrow. I'm so excited. I'm like still in the best with really... Supergirl. Honestly, get on board. Yeah, it's I've watched all of it. I've, I'm caught up. Oh, but, like... so Joss Whedon directing that is a rumor. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, sorry. Unconfirmed rumors that Joss Whedon is going to be involved. Sorry, I take that back. I'm a bad journalist. Um, <laughs> get more excited for Supergirl. I, and I just, you know, it's like kind of. I'm not completely sold yet. I like it. I really like Martian Manhunter's story, but I, just, I think the story, other storylines are a little weak. I'm also excited for the older Teen Wolf to be Superman. Oh yeah, I like. I'm excited for him. The trailer with him is is actually pretty enjoyable. It's so fun. I like it. He, I've seen they released, or at least they're on YouTube. There's like a minute and a half clip of like the very beginning of the episode, oh. and he he's like 
he is Clark Kent and he's like talking to Perry White. And I'm like, gee, he's got it down. He's not he's knocking it out of the park. So I'm excited. I'm, I'm so excited. I think I love Supergirl. I think it's I think in some ways its writing can be better than the Flash, actually. Um I think the Flash sometimes suffers from poor writing. But is elevated by its cast being so great. Yeah. yeah. I think as of now I'm not totally like the writing for Supergirl is fine. I just I'm not totally sold on the cast yet. I think other than um uh, Melissa Benoist and like so like you're J- James Olsen and when you're not a big fan I'm not a fan of James Olsen honestly he's like I just don't think he has enough chemistry with Kara so. also fun fact he's taller than Superman Ooh, by two inches I'm gonna see how many times they actually show both of them in frame and whether or not whether or not they try to frame Superman to be bigger because like it's like Jimmy Olsen's supposed to be the kid yeah and now he's like well he's lanky though he's lanky but he's still like muscular that's true I guess yeah I I still love Wynn I like Wynn too I love I mean I still just love Jeremy Jordan but I think Wynn's a good character and I really like how they handled you finished all season one right yes yeah I I like how they handled Wynn and Kara like his crush. And kind of like, yeah, I think they handled that really well. I think they did, yeah. Um, yeah I don't know. I was just like, I'm, I don't I don't have like any particular reason for like not being totally on the fence other than I just am not sold on it completely yet. I mean, mm-hmm. you, know, you know. Hopefully season two different will strokes get you for sold. different folks. Yeah. Season one of a lot of shows are not always the best. Yeah. Or they might be the best and mm-hmm. everything else sucks. So Exactly. Once upon a time. <sighs> don't remind me. Yikes. <laughs> No, I'm going to remind you all the time because it's still my show. Oh, okay. I know. It's your show. It. And, like, it was just so good in the first season. Yeah. Speaking of CW, did you guys watch the pilot for No Tomorrow? No, I have I'm not. Sorry. My gosh, I loved it. Yeah? So great. Is yeah, there a really premise that can no go past one episode? I, I thought, like, The Good Place didn't have a really, like, long-lasting premise. But, you know, maybe since it's more comedy, right? I think, like. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the Good Place, by the way, is so great. Gold, um, good Place but, yeah. is amazing. <clears throat> no Tomorrow is uh, definitely has legs. Okay. It, I saw the trailer and I was like, this looks more like a movie than it does a TV show. Mm-hmm. I really like it. I'm like, so excited to watch more. Yeah, I was a little bit skeptical because the, the premise is of like her believing him is just like, he's hot. Okay. <laughs> there's, there's way more to it than that. Okay. All right. I he's, might not just a, he's not just a pretty face. I mean, he is a really pretty face, though. <laughs> Even though he should be on Galavant. Still. I'm gonna I'm still crying about that, you guys. I'm sorry, Anya. Alright. I think that's it. I think that's it. Alright. So um if you guys have any thoughts about feminism in media or DC TV shows, Supergirl, Flash, Smallville, or theater, definitely come chat with us and where can they do that Willoughby? You can find us on Facebook if you search for us there. We're on Twitter at Falcon Podcast. Uh, our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. We're on iTunes and Google Play and SoundCloud where you can rate, review, and subscribe to us there. And where can they find you guys? You can find me at htrenbui on Twitter. You can find me at Anya Crittenton on Twitter. And you can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. All, All right. right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye. Bye.